Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. Where's my music? Anyway, we're calling this Tiff Tuesday. And here's one. Wait, wait, I need you for this. Uh, Dr. D has Dr. D has left the studio. Unbelievable. This is a great opening. Wait, where are you going? Great weekend, everybody. Have a good weekend, everybody. Have a good weekend, D. Yeah, okay. See you. I'll see you when you come back. Uh, Bears won, as I was saying. Uh, Eddie Panero kicked the game-winning field goal with uh, less than a second left. Uh, and I went from Bears suck, I hate this team, to Bear down, Chicago Bears, just like that. I am a fickle Bears fan. I saw a really great movie. I urge everyone to see it if you're uh, politically uh, inclined. And if you're listening to this show, you're obviously politically inclined. It's called Official Secrets. Uh, it's a movie that hasn't gotten a lot of attention, and it's about the dirty dealings of the uh, George W. Bush White House in the early O's uh, to blackmail United Nations uh, into uh, United Nations com- countries into supporting their invasion of Iraq, into supporting a war that need not have been fought in the first place, into supporting a war that was waged under a, for a whole bunch of reasons that were based on lies. Having seen that movie, Official Secrets. Uh, I have to tell you, I'm going to have to say something right here, D, that I never thought I would say, but I'm going to say it anyway. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I knew that was coming. Donald John Trump is not the worst president of my lifetime. No, 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 no. He's <laughs> he's not even the worst president of this century. That honor or dishonor uh, falls to one George W. Bush. I think it's pretty obvious. Uh, if you watch this movie, it just brings back memories of what George Bush did uh, and uh, what he did to our country by uh, getting us involved in two wars for which there was really no justification, two wars which we're still connected and tied to. And I'll say this about Donald John Trump. Uh, he talks so much trash when it comes to... Uh, foreign leaders, foreign countries, what they're up to. But so far, and D, I don't want to jinx us, all right? I don't want to jinx us in any way. But so far, he has restrained himself from sending in massive amounts of troops uh, to ignite wars. So I say, I have to say this, that when it, in contrast with George W. Bush, Donald Trump is an improvement. I know it's going to get me kicked out of every lefty group that I've ever been in. And I love my beloved lefties as much as anyone, but I just had to oh, say yeah, it. I'll start packing our bags here <laughs> during the show. <laughs> our bags are packed. Um, anyway, but it's true. You go see that movie, Official Secrets. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, what else is news from this weekend? Oh, yes. I woke up today uh, to read in my beloved Bright One and the Tribunal as well. Uh, Judge Neil Cohen 
throughout the TIF lawsuit that we've been talking so much about uh, here on the show, uh, the Lincoln Yards TIF lawsuit. Uh, we predicted this would happen last week, and uh, uh, Judge Cohen uh, followed up on our prediction by saying, yep, Ben, you were right. I'm tossing this sucker out. That's correct. Uh, <laughs> all right, now follow me, people. I'm going to try to keep it simple. I know I'll lose a lot of you when I start talking TIFs. You're like, it's a little confusing. Oh, just take my money. All right, here we go. Is that right? an impression of anybody in particular? <laughs> oh, that's just an impression of Chicago voters. Oh, okay. When it comes to tiffs, I'm so confused and befuddled. Oh, just take my money. All right. Anyway, so here here's the deal, folks. Mayor Rahm, in his infinite wisdom, uh, convinced the Chicago City Council and in its infinite wisdom uh, in the last meeting before Mayor Lori Lightfoot took over uh, to raise your property taxes by dedicating $1.3 billion of your property tax dollars uh, to rebuild an already gentrifying neighborhood on the north side of Chicago. And they're going to finance a Lincoln Yards TIF. They're going to, uh, excuse me, the Lincoln Yards project. Uh, they're going to underwrite that project. It's a great deal for the developers, a bad deal for you, the property taxpayers. You're going to watch your property taxes go up, up, up. Anyway, Grassroots Collaborative and the Raise Your Hand Coalition filed a lawsuit in circuit court asking that the judge dismiss the case. And it came before the distinguished jurist, Neil Cohen. All right, D? And so he had to decide, hmm, what am I going to do? And yesterday he made his ruling, and I will now read... David Roeder's account of the story, which includes this quote from Judge Cohen. You ready? Today's guest, David Roeder? That is correct. The world comes together. Hmm. Here's what uh, Judge Cohen said. Uh, the complaint here does not allege that the city's purported inequitable use of TIF districts has impaired plaintiff's ability to provide services or otherwise operate. The complaint simply alleges that plaintiffs have chosen to focus their advocacy against the city's use of TIF district funding rather than other causes related to their missions. The facts alleged in the complaint clearly show that plaintiffs have no standing to bring suit against the city as they show no distinct palpable injury to a legally cognizable interest fairly traceable to the city. Now, I know most of you are responding to that by saying, huh, what? Who? Huh? <laughs> Could you please translate that into English, Ben? Well, since you ask, I will. You know, D, I'm doing a lot of translating these last few days. I translate Lori's speech into real English. I spent eight years translating the gobbledygook Rom told you into real English. I spent 20 years translating Richard M. Daly. I've become quite good at translating. Don't translate all those curse words people uh, have been sending you on your texts. Oh, no. Come on, man. You know. I don't swear. So anyway, it's a public service announcement. As a public service, I should say, I'm now going to translate uh, Judge Cohen's uh, ruling into real English. Are you ready, folks? <clears throat> and it is basically, Mama Cohen did not raise any fools. Yes, indeed. I said that last week, and here's the deal. Judge Cohen was essentially saying, you think I'm going to piss off the most, some of the most powerful people in the city of Chicago and the county of Cook by joining you in your lawsuit, Raise Your Hand Coalition, and uh, Grassroots Collaborative? Uh-uh. As a corollary, D, as a legal corollary, I now cite uh, a ruling established by the brilliant legal theorist Ordell Robbie. Have you ever heard of Ordell Robbie, D? No, I have All not. Right. Well, Ordell Robbie, I'll tell you who he is. Ordell Robbie is the sleazy arms dealer played by Samuel Jackson in the movie Jackie Brown, which, by the way, is Quentin Tiro's greatest movie and the third greatest movie of all time, just behind Chinatown and Crooklyn. All right? A Quentin Tarantino <laughs> tie-in on the Ben Jarofsky show? <laughs> Shocking. Oh, the world is coming together. Anyway, here is the great quote from uh, Ordell Robbie, as played by Samuel Jackson. <clears throat> <clears throat> 
my ass may be dumb, but I ain't no dumb ass. Okay. That was the quote. And I believe that's what essentially Judge Cohen was saying yesterday. As he said, you think I'm dumb enough to throw this case out? Oh, no. Uh-uh. Find some other sucker to do this. I saw what happened to old, that old Ben Jarofsky guy when he spoke out against this loss, against this TIF deal. Uh-uh. So he came up with some legal gobbledygook to essentially say, I'm not doing that dirty work. If you want to throw this TIF out, you're going to have to find another judge to do it. So anyway, yes, indeed, it's a terrible deal. It'll raise your taxes. It'll take from the poor to feed the rich. It'll divert money from the schools. And it will raise your taxes. Did I say that already? Yeah, one more time. It'll raise your taxes. But to quote Ordell one more time. My, my ass may be dumb, but I ain't no dumb ass. We got a great show today, everybody. Maya will be here, D. Maya will be in that seat. She's got a whole- Our Chicago Reader colleague, Maya Dukmasova? Yes, Maya Dukmasova will be in that seat. She's got a lot of things she wants to talk about, all right? Okay, she already told me. She's got a lot on her mind. I cannot wait to talk to her about politics. David Roeder. Oh, man. The hardest working reporter in the city of Chicago. Oh, my God. Every time we see him, he's on the phone, right? If any of you take a trip to the Sun-Times building and you just see a man in the corner with three computers, <laughs> one phone, his tie all messed up, that's David Roeder. <laughs> <laughs> Leave me alone. I got work to do. It's just like the average white man said, I got work to do. That's David Roeder. Anyway, uh, he'll be in here. A lot to talk about. A lot of development. He had a very interesting in column yesterday, which as soon as I read it, I reached out to him and go, uh, David, you have to come on and talk about this. Uh, we have a little deep dive, folks, okay? We're going to force you to think a little bit here about how the real estate uh, uh, the real estate market in the city of Chicago is has been inflated a bit by some of these um, companies like uh, uh, Uber and Lyft that may not actually survive, D, over the next 10 years. But right now, they're just, they're riding a wave. Could it be a bubble? Is there a real estate bubble in the city of Chicago? We're going to talk about that uh, with David Roeder and also talk about the GM strike. David Roeder, of course, uh, is the labor reporter for the uh, Chicago Sun-Times. GM is on strike. And, you know, folks, um, I, uh, we're a very objective show here. Uh, we just look at the views. We take no stands, right? Mick Dumkey always says, you're not supposed to take a stand, right? Just objectivity. So let me just say, go striking workers. Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Come on, GM. Don't be so cheap. Share some of the money. You made $35 billion over the last couple of years or whatever by getting concessions from your workers. How about sharing it a little bit? You ever heard the word share? Didn't your mom tell you? Fantastic share. singer. Very good. Look at, whoa. Sonny Bono. How did you know that? The beat goes on. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. I got you. Anyway, uh, David Rode will be here. We'll be talking about all of that. And Ken Major Beal will be here. State rep in the 42nd district. This is fascinating, folks. Uh, Jeannie Ives, remember her? Jeannie Ives, probably the most conservative state representative in the history of the world, uh, ran against Bruce Rauner on the grounds that he was not conservative enough. When she did that, she gave up her seat to uh, a woman named Amy Grant as a Republican. Not the singer. Oh, so okay. my mom loves Amy Grant. <laughs> I knew you were going to. Amy Grant? For 10 trivia points, who is Amy Grant married to? Horace Grant. <laughs> 
General Ulysses Grant. I have no idea who she's married to. I'm mixing oh, her up great. with somebody else. <laughs> Who's married to uh, Tug, Tug McGraw's son? Who? <laughs> Tug McGraw was a pitcher for the Mets. Please. His son is Tim McGraw. Who's married to Tim McGraw? Oh, Faith Hill. I knew that. Uh, anyway, um, uh, Amy Grant is a right of center state rep, and uh, Ken Major Beal is running against her. And that would be awesome uh, for the Democrats to uh, unseat Jeannie Ives' successor in the 42nd District. So we'll be talking politics, 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 politics all day long. But before we do any of that, the young man from Alton, the man they call White Lightning, has the news. All right, everybody, let's get it back in order here. Let's uh, get the show straightened. There we go. Oh, let's yeah. do this. Let me do my whole intro again. Woo! No, we're not doing that. <laughs> It is Tuesday, September 17th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. And now your host, Tim McGraw's biggest fan, <laughs> Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Yes, indeed. We're starting all over again. I'm just going to say one thing about Neil Cohen's uh, ruling in the Lincoln Yards Tiff do- suit. Quote, my ass may be dumb, but I ain't no dumb ass. And now, Dr. D with the news. All right, everybody. We begin with what's happening in Illinois and or Chicago this afternoon. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. What? <laughs> what's so funny? I love that line so much. My ass may be dumb, but I ain't no dumb ass or Dell. All right, we begin with what's happening in Illinois and or Chicago this afternoon. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot's Tuesday schedule includes a visit to the Chicago Cultural Center to kick off the 2019 Chicago Architecture Biennial, then to City Hall to deliver remarks on the naturalization of 25 new Americans in Chicago. In the afternoon, a meeting with Chicago police brass, and somewhere in the middle of all that, I'm sure there's going to be a luncheon. <laughs> <laughs> Lori Lightfoot loves, loves lunchings, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Li- <laughs> Sorry. Mayor Lightfoot and one of her harshest critics in the city council are joining mm. forces on one particular topic. Let's talk about it. Mm. It's time for another episode of Ben Jarofsky's favorite daytime soap opera, A Mayor and Her Alderman. A Mayor and Her Alderman. Ben, please put the popcorn away. We got a show today. <laughs> Sorry, man. All right, it's quite possibly the douchiest fad that this podcast producer has ever seen in his lifetime so far. Vaping. Oh, yeah, vaping. Mm-hmm. And Mayor Lightfoot is joining those around the nation in cracking down on electronic cigarettes. Yeah, no good. No the following good. comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran the Woman Spielman, Mayor Lightfoot, and Alderman Ray Lopez. Ben, quick, what ward is Ray Lopez? Come on, man. One, five, fifth. 15. Huge dork, guys. <laughs> but hey, he still got it. He still got it. Now, although these two politically can't stand one another, Lightfoot and Lopez agree on one thing, that they're not about to sit around waiting for the Food and Drug Administration to draft the guidelines needed to yank products off the market that are tailor-made to lure young people into a lifetime of addiction. During a news conference at Crane High School, Lightfoot said she plans to propose a Chicago ban on flavored East cigarettes. Lopez wants broader action. He's poised to propose a ban on all e-cigarettes and liquid nicotine products. Lightfoot said that she's starting with flavored products because, as she put it, they serve as the, quote, gateway in which children become addicted. The mayor continued, quote, 
The companies that produce and market these products see children as part of their bottom line, as shameful as it is. And I say this, both as a mayor and as a mother, we will not stand idly by as flavored tobacco becomes young people's most common path to addiction. Children are using these products and becoming addicted, and the companies are targeting them. We want to eliminate that possibility. Ben, we haven't talked about this much on the program. What's your take on electronic cigarettes? Have you ever vaped? If so, what's your favorite <laughs> flavor? And are Raylo and Lightfoot doing the right thing here? Okay, wow, that's a lot of questions, man. And um, I spoke so much reefer in 1980. I can't keep track of them all. All right, uh, let's see. Uh, I can't remember which one, but no, I've never vaped. No, I've never smoked a cigarette. I've never smoked a cigarette, never been attracted to a cigarette in any way. So I'm not really um, qualified to address this issue, but the addiction that people have with cigarettes, the attraction people to have towards cigarettes, D, I've never felt it. I know back in, when we're, when I was young, guys would be like, they, they would like see the Marlboro Man on TV and they just want to have to do it. And I could kind of do it. I mean, look, you know, I just like, But I just never was it. By the way, it was pretty good, huh? It was decent. Oh, I got to put my cigarette out. <laughs> Fantastic <laughs> podcasting here, guys. <laughs> I never was into it, man. I mean, when I was growing up, everybody smoked cigarettes. Fact, if you see a movie, a period piece from the 60s and so, you'd be stunned how many people, uh, here's an opportunity for you to talk about, what? guess what, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Jesus Do you know how many Christ. times they're smoking cigarettes in that movie set in 1969? Uh, they smoke cigarettes on airplanes. They smoke cigarettes on TV talk shows. Jack, Johnny Carson would smoke cigarettes. I thought always it was an obnoxious habit. I didn't think people looked cool doing it. Uh, but So I'm not really qualified to talk about this, but people are so addicted to cigarettes that when they banned cigarette smoking in public places, they started doing this vaping stuff. And you know how I know this, D? I'll tell you how I know this. At the bowling alley, all of a sudden these guys would be vaping. And they didn't even look anyway cool. They look like Corella DeVille. You no. know who Corella DeVille is, yes. D? Okay, very good. Your knowledge is astounding. All right? So they look like Corella DeVille, and they're just addicted to cigarettes. On the other hand, D, I got mixed feelings. The libertarian in me is saying, if people want to give themselves cancer by smoking cigarettes, should we, the government, stop them? Shouldn't they be free to give themselves cancers they want to? I don't know, D. I'm, I'm just struggling with this one right now. I'm really all over the map with this one. But I'll tell you this. Anything that gets Raylo and Lori happy and the same page, I'm happy for them. All right? So you say Raylo and Lightfoot are doing the right thing? <laughs> what is that called in the TV show where you get to make the phone call? The lifeline thing? Yeah, yeah. phone I, a friend. Can I phone a friend no. and see what to say? We don't even have a, no. What, what does Maya say? Whatever Maya says, I say, all right? There we go. All right, and what would an episode <laughs> of AMAHA be without an update that somehow involves the alderman who shook down a Burger King in his ward? Oh, That's right, e greasy 14th ward alderman, Ed Burke. Oh, God. Yeah, there we go. God Rock. help us all. <laughs> What's he up to? Rock hard justice has been served, my friends. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and once again, Franz Bielman, a veteran political operative who supplied FBI mole and former alderman Danny Solis mm. with a steady supply of Viagra mm -hmm. and allegedly arranged for the former alderman to receive sex acts has been slapped <laughs> with uh. a stiff penalty. Oh, That's oh. right, a penis joke on oh. the Ben Jarofsky show. 
A $25,000 fine to Robert Caldero for failing to register as a lobbyist. The Chicago Board of Ethics hefty fine against Roberto Caldero comes eight months after the Chicago Sun-Times blew the lid off the explosive charges against Solis that prompted the former alderman to spend two years wearing a wire to help the feds build their corruption case against indicted alderman Ed Burke of the 14th Ward. The board concluded that there was, quote, probable cause to conclude that Caldero, a close associate of former U.S. Rep. Luis Gutierrez, had, quote, engaged in several acts of unregistered lobbying in 2015 in violation of the city's ethics ordinance. So there you are, another development uh, with Ed Burke. What do you say, Ben? Well, I have a lot to say about this. You know, it's really... Uh, interesting how justice uh, is uh, meted out in the city of Chicago, all right? Ed Burke ruled the city for years and years and years, uh, finance chair, overseeing every single TIF deal, every single budget, all union contracts, workers' comp, et cetera, et cetera, and so forth. This powerhouse, people throwing money at him left and right, uh, and uh, he was finally caught shaking down the Burger King operator, right, uh, to try to force the guy, the Burger King franchisee owner, to get uh, to hire Burke's firm to do uh, its property tax work. Finally, all of a sudden, everyone's outraged, right? Well, how is he punished? He's reelected by the voters of the 14th Ward. That's how he's punished, all right? Uh, meanwhile, Roberto Cal- uh, Caldero, who, by the way, uh, I knew him back in the 80s, D. Did you know that? I knew oh. when he was a young man. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I knew. I haven't seen him since like 1983. Hey, Ben, what's going on? He was kind of a cool guy, you know? Had his hair back. I don't think he'd ever vape anything, all right? Uh, so somehow or other, Roberto Calderon, uh, excuse me, Caldero, who bought the um, Viagra for Danny Solis that Danny Solis needed for whatever reason, uh, is being hit with a $25,000 fine. Now, how is it that Ed Burke is still a, a, a sitting alderman in the Chicago City Council, making a lot of money, getting health benefits that you're paying for, taxpayers, uh, and yet Caldero's the one paying the 25000 I ask the same question when I look at Michael J. Cohen sitting in federal prison. Is it Michael J. Cohen? Or Michael Cohen uh, sitting in federal prison while his client, Donald John Trump, gets to be president of the United States. Somehow or other, D, it doesn't seem like the people who really did the wrong things ever get punished for the wrong things that get done do you follow me so am i um outraged that uh, caldero got fined 25 grand you know i can't really get too upset about it one way or the other you know why he was up to his eyeballs and no good with danny solis but on the other hand good god folks why do we always punish the weakest people in the city of chicago and let the powerful one go unscathed think about that Ooh, I will have to think about that. All right, so what will happen next? I guess we're just going to have to wait. And I guess another episode of A Mayor and Her Alderman (laughs) will be very, very soon. To be continued. (laughs) It is pretty. Raylo is just like Raymond Lopez, who is pretty closely allied with uh, Mayor Rahm, had that one little spat with Mayor Rahm. Uh, He went public, and I was the guy who quoted him. I I think that may have been before you and I met, D. Uh, No, it was after we met, because he came on the show, the old show. Remember that? Uh, But he's basically got along pretty well with uh, Rahm, was a consistent voter for Rahm, voted for those crazy TIFF deals. Now, all of a sudden, he's found his inner Tom Payne. He's his inner independent, his inner maverick, whatever. God bless you, man. Stand up to the mayor. There should be at least one alderman willing just to stand up to a mayor. I think just... 
in general. Oh, and hey, if you haven't heard the news over the weekend, the Ben Jarofsky Show reached 2,000 likes on our Facebook page. Mm -mm. And to celebrate, we're having a caption contest. It's a Lori Lightfoot caption contest. Say what? It's true. Head over to the Facebook page as soon as possible and leave us a caption if you haven't yet. We'll announce our top three <laughs> captions at the end of Wednesday's show. Mm. Wednesday's show is when we'll do that. And what are they winning? Uh, nothing. Oh, they're not getting a blue Mustang? No. Oh. Never have, never will. <laughs> okay. The picture is posted on top of the page. It's one of Lori Lightfoot fresh off of her mayoral victory during her trip to our nation's capital mm. and her visit with, no, not President Donald Trump, the president's daughter, yeah. Ivanka. Quite a few of you have already left your captions, so what do you say we read them, Ben? I say it's a good idea. Excellent. I think so, too. So the picture is Mayor Lightfoot sitting down with Ivanka Trump. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and um, just sitting down, looking at each other. Picture that as I read Hunter's caption. Hunter's caption, it's Lightfoot. I gave up a Jeff Manuel performance for this? <laughs> Hunter's obviously a listener of the Ben Jarofsky show. God bless Excellent him. piano player, that Jeff Manuel. Yes, Book him. Book him. What, 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 what's the quote from the uh, commercial? Wee! <laughs> yeah. That's Maya's favorite moment every <laughs> every Tuesday. She loves that. All right, on to Carl's caption. Carl puts, now this is Lightfoot talking here. Once again, Ivanka Trump and Lori Lightfoot sitting across from each other. Carl says, I hate his politics, but I have several of your father's suits. Oh, Carl with the Lightfoot joke there. How about Tony? Tony's caption. This is Lori Lightfoot once again talking. Okay, Tony. What do you mean I need to get my pants tailored? All right. She does have long pants. All right. On to Hank's comment. Hank's caption puts, uh, your dad should try using TIFFs. Nobody will figure it out. (laughs) That's Joe. Send that guy something. All right. Uh, this car is in the mail. What's his Ro- name again? His name's Hank. Hank, it's in the mail. On to Robin's caption. Robin's caption. This is Lightfoot talking again. Uh, I don't think you know what a moral compass is and that your father has none. Mm, that's here, here to that one. On to Zulma. Zulma left us a caption. Ooh. Zulma puts, for the life of me, this has to be a nightmare. Life-size plastic Barbies breathing and almost talking. <laughs> pretty good how about paul's caption paul puts this is lightfoot again talking to ivanka lightfoot says now ivanka blink twice if you need me to repeat anything okay (laughs) paul's pretty clever all right pablo i see you and we'll do one more pablo it's paul we'll do one more from zoma zoma puts and it's mayor lightfoot talking Let's see here. She puts, is that notebook is full of, okay, that's a curse word. Keep the captions coming, everybody. J-O-R-A, V is in victory, S-K-Y, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. Like I said, at the end of tomorrow's show, Wednesday's show, we will announce our top three captions. All right, now let's end it out with some state news here. In case you didn't know, our bill signing Illinois Democratic governor has been on the injured list. Mm -hmm. He broke his femur, and he's been out of commission ever since. But good news, Jamie Pritzker is getting his groove back, Ben. For the first time in weeks, we have a public event listed on Jamie Pritzker's schedule. Wow, that is interesting. Ah, Tonight, Governor Pritzker will be attending the China General Chamber of Commerce Midwest Chapter Dinner at the Hyatt Regency. For those who want to stop by and check in on the big fella it starts at 6 30 and it's at 151 east wacker drive in chicago well good to hear he's back in the saddle right yeah yeah back you were, in the block you were on the men there for a while you had your nose your face all messed up yeah. anything you want to say to jb who's getting better uh jb i've been there i understand i can relate 
Come on, get back in that horse. And, and you know he loves horses. And on Monday, Democratic Illinois Congressman Mike Quigley held a lunchtime fundraiser starring J.B. Pritzker. Sources say the event brought in roughly about $50,000 for Quigley re-election campaign. At the moment, Quigley has only one re-election foe, a progressive by the name of Brian Burns. Also on Monday, a picture of the governor standing on both legs and smiling was all over Twitter as a group of faith leaders met with Pritzker and Lieutenant Governor Juliana Stratton in Springfield. Good to hear he's doing better, right, yeah, Ben? I'm happy to hear that. You know, he's done a good job, in my humble opinion. Probably the best governor of the 21st century. Uh, of course, uh, <laughs> that's not a lot of competition. And well, wait, Pat Quinn. All right, you're. We all like Pat Quinn in the show, don't we, D? Absolutely. Uh, so, uh, but I still think. Uh, Pritzker's uh, off to a great start. So there you are, the latest in the local news. Hey, podcast fans, the team at the Sun-Times has a new show to add to your listening lineup. That's right, we got podcast neighbors here at the Sun-Times. This football season, get the inside scoop on the Chicago Bears with Hallis Intrigue. It's the latest podcast from the Chicago Sun-Times. Tune in to hear Sun-Times sports reporters and Bears experts. Like a lot of them, all right? Uh, the, a lot of these names I can't pronounce, so I'm not even going to bother reading them. But stay informed this football season. Patrick Finley. That's one of them. I knew that one. Uh, Mark Potash. Uh, is that on there? Yes, it is. Uh, yeah, He's a sport. Potash, I read yeah, the sports yeah. page every day. Stay informed this football season. Listen to Hallis Intrigue. It's sometimes. Rick Morrissey. Rick Tallender. I'm doing this off the all top right. of my head. This is the important part, Ben, oh, so please stop interrupting oh, me. Oh, sorry, man. Hallis Intrigue. It's sometimes.com forward slash Hallis. And the spelling on that is H-A-L-A-S. And be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Check it out now. It's sometimes.com forward slash Hallis. H-A-L-A-S. Don't go anywhere, people, because coming up after the short little break, our Chicago Reader colleague, Maya Duke-Mosville, will join us. We're going to talk all things politics. It's the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Sun-Times. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Attention Chicago innovators and creators, 2019 Chicago Ideas Week is coming soon. October 12th through the 17th, this annual Ideas Festival is back, and it's the largest, most affordable Ideas Festival of its kind. They bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action all across Chicago. To get a better idea of what to expect, here's a bit of audio from last year's Chicago Ideas Week with special guest and Chicago comedian Cameron Esposito. Everything that I have ever tried to do has had two motivations. One is I really do believe in trying to create social change. And then the other one is I'm scared and alone too. So I would like for you to join me. You know, every job that I have, I try to make sure to hold the door open. That's like my uh, motto for, for, um, like if I get through, you're coming with me. And I really, I believe in that wholeheartedly. And, uh, especially if I have more privilege than you, like I'm holding the door open for you, um, even wider. October 12th through the 17th, it's 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Tickets go on sale 
sale to members on August 22nd and to general public September 10th. Once again, if you're an innovator or creator in the city of Chicago or even outside the city, you must join us for Chicago Ideas Week, October 12th through the 17th. For tickets and event information, head to chicagoideas.com. That's chicagoideas.com. And we hope to see you October 12th through the 17th for 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right, it's made entirely out of butter, and it, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. Get to know your city on one of Chicago Architecture Center's 65 walking tours. Hear the unforgettable secrets and stories behind Chicago architecture from our expert docents. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm actually on a tour right now. Oh, wow. Look at that building. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL resident. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Hey, Benny J, take it away. Maya's in the studio. Maya was giving me trash talking the, the host uh, in the break. I say, hey, Maya, I was at the reader yesterday. She goes, oh, congratulations. <laughs> what a wise guy she is. Uh, anyway, uh, Maya, welcome back. Connor, were you there yesterday? At the office? Yes. At yes. work? Okay. At work. I was at work yesterday, Ben. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. I, Maya was there. Uh, anyway, all right. Uh, let's get down to business. Uh, Maya wrote an excellent, what was the interview? So I can't, I don't know. Do you call interviews? Articles? What do you think? I mean, it's an article, but I didn't really write it. I mean, okay. I did the interview and I edited and condensed it and transcribed it, but it's not, I wouldn't classify it as a piece of writing okay. necessarily, right. but yeah. Fair enough. Anyway, I thought it was really good. I enjoyed it immensely on many levels. Uh, so why don't you uh, tell folks uh, who you're interviewing and what the subject was in general? Yeah. So uh, this is in this week's issue of The Reader, which you can still pick up. Uh, today's Tuesday, so you can still pick it up before the boxes start filling up with the next issue um, starting tomorrow and Thursday. Um, and this is what we were talking about last week. Uh, the reader is collaborating with the Marshall Project on um, the series called We Are Witnesses. And this is uh, kind of a, a uh, journalistic endeavor and and public education endeavor that's built around these um, short films, uh, filmed interviews with people who have had um, personal experiences with various parts of the criminal justice system in Chicago, either as workers in the system, as people who have been um, incarcerated, as family members of crime victims, as, as crime victims themselves. So um, it's just a lot of very different types of perspectives on the system. Um, and uh, we are the print partner uh, for for the series, um, and WBZ is working with the Marshall Project on this as well, and, Univis and Univision as well. So um, my role in this was to um, interview uh, Bill Dorsch, who's a retired... Uh, Chicago police detective who retired in the early 90s and he uh, basically 
uh, was the original whistleblower um, on uh, Rinaldo Guevara, who was the disgraced detective who um, is uh, now famous for or infamous for having uh, manipulated uh, folks into confessing to crimes that they didn't commit. And so Bill was uh, was working alongside uh, Guevara and witnessed this firsthand and sort of was the was the first person to to step up and say, you know, this is this is messed up what's happening here. And he's testified in tons of lawsuits and depositions against Guevara since then and really has become quite active um, in the kind of wrongful conviction research space. Um, he's a private investigator now, but he also works with uh, Northwestern University to um, help uh, investigate possible wrongful conviction cases. And I think at this point he's, he's played uh, an important role in the exoneration of something like two dozen people who were wrongfully convicted over the years. And it was a fascinating interview. I mean, his the, the video that goes along with this interview where, you know, he's speaking in his own words about his experience is also really fascinating. And I would encourage everybody to um, go to the Reader website and look at these videos. Um, we're also going to be having public events and screenings of these um, at various public library branches all over the next couple of months. So, um, but speaking with him, yeah, was, was really interesting because he... He's he's a real like he was really into his work as a cop. Mm-hmm. Like he um loved his job. He talks about it with a lot of pride and um you know he claims that the job didn't influence like his views on race for example, even though he himself grew up in like a very lily white part of town Jefferson Park um in in the 50s and 60s so he's he but but most of his work happened in in black and brown neighborhoods around the city but he sort of talks and about the job in a way that like you know there's like bad guys out there and we our job was to catch the bad guys and I was good at that and etc so um but he also talked like he told me this, most of this didn't make it into this interview because we only had limited space, obviously, but he just talked about like incident after incident after incidents of just witnessing firsthand, like just tremendous violence, just tremendously horrific things happening, like in front of his eyes over, you know, years and years and years. And he says that he like just never took the job home and was able to completely compartmentalize, you know, and keep the stuff, you know, work-related stuff at work and not, you know, bring anything home. You know, I don't know if I really believe that that kind of thing is possible, like what kind of mental resilience someone can have to completely be able to, like, not, to, to witness, like, just, like, death and violence and pain every single day and then, like, completely disassociate from that when, when, when they're off the job. But, you know, he said what he said, so... um so despite the fact that it seems like the job was extremely difficult, uh, he, you know, felt, uh, like he was doing good. And it was once he started seeing this misconduct that was aided and abetted by the bosses who are all, you know, people who rise up to the ranks of the Chicago police department, you know, they're people who, um, are usually political, they're politically connected people. I mean, 
basically the way he put it is like, there's people at the Academy right now who know they're going to be bosses. There's, it's just like, if you're not connected with the right people, you have no chance of like really getting up high in the organization at all. It's not a merit-based system whatsoever. It's all about who, you know, whose back you've scratched and, um, sort of who your family is and, and all of that. So, you know, I think that that's not going to be pretty surprising to a lot of people in Chicago. I would Uh, say the world is a who, you know, world. Exactly. So, so I mean, he, so, his it was he felt so much kind of love and respect for the work that he did and it the integrity of the work was so important to him that when he when he started witnessing this misconduct firsthand he 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 had it was like it's the way i kind of interpreted his reflections on it was that like it felt to him like a huge disrespect to the job mm-hmm. to have people be behaving in that manner to have the you know people get locked up for crimes they didn't commit um that the whole system can't function if that kind of thing is going on which is why it became like important to him to be to like get out of there and work to undo some of this damage that was done by these uh you know by by people who were just behaving in 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 a criminal manner without, without, without any punishment on the inside of the police department. So, um, as a result of his work and his like kind of stepping out and speaking out against Guevara and others, I mean, he lost all of his friends, like all of the people that, you know, he spent years and decades working alongside of like, you know, he was just basically completely ostracized. And actually this will connect to this in a second, but I mean, the police department canceled Bill Dorscht for, he was canceled once he spoke out and, um, he, I mean, people would, you know, there were death threats. People would straight up ask him like, why aren't you dead yet? You know, it was like a completely taboo thing that he did to like speak out against one of one what of their own. What do you mean own. by they canceled him? Uh, they just completely ostracized him. Like he was dead to them. Basically he lost all his friends. People stopped treated, stopped treating him the way he describes it as a people stopped treating him as one of them, but he became the enemy to them. Mm -hmm. He became a bad guy Mm -hmm. for, for like breaking rank, so to speak. So, you know, it's, it's complicated because if, if, if your general stance is that, you know, our entire system of policing is messed up and there's fundamentally like it has to change in really big ways that it's not just about bad apples and good apples. Like the whole thing is all needs to be somehow, um, uh, rearranged so that we're not spending immense public resources on punishing people, but for, for the, you know, who start quote unquote misbehaving as a result of, basically like stressful conditions that they're living in that like maybe we need to be reorienting things in such a way that like people aren't living in stressful conditions to begin with but um so i I think for a lot of people who sort of have that view of policing it might be hard to process the perspective of someone like bill dorsch who was himself a cop but i think there's a lot of other people who see a guy like bill dorsch as like the kind of cop we would want like the kind of person you would want working this job Mm -hmm. um and then you know the fact that like to retain his integrity it literally means like putting his life on the line being being harassed you know losing his friends taking risks with you know potentially you know getting death threats all this stuff like a lot of people are not going to sign up for that kind of thing. Like most people are not going to, you know, if they see something wrong going on, they're not going to speak up because I guess, you know, most people don't have a thick skin like Bill Dorsch does. So, um, 
Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's a, it's an interesting perspective to hear. And I encourage everyone to check out the, we are witnesses series. Well, I had two things that I thought of when I read it. And, um, one is from an old movie, uh, that came out way before your time came out, I think in the nineties called American gangsters. And there's a Russell Crowe plays American gangster came out in like 2007. I would, I remember going you know to what? see that my freshman year you're, of college. Right. Yeah, I love you're that right. movie. I sit corrected. I love it's that a, movie. He comes out of prison in the 90s. You're right. I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, anyway, I love that movie too. I've seen it three or four times. But Russell Crowe's character, if you recall, stumbles upon like, uh, I think a, a bunch mil- of money, $900,000 yeah. in cash yep. that a drug dealer had left in his car. And it's his to take. And instead of taking the money, he turns it in because it it's wrong to take the money. Yep. And as a result, he's completely ostracized yep. by his colleagues in the police force because <laughs> they can't trust him anymore because he's so stupid as not to take $900,000. And it's just that culture still exists. When I read the uh, Bill Dorsch interview, I was like, oh, my God, this cult- culture still exists. Uh, and uh, I could actually say, I, I think what Bill... I think what Bill Dorsch did uh, was not did not warrant, in my humble opinion, any criticism or ostracism at all. Where I could kind of understand people being a little pissed at uh, Ru- Russell Crowe in a weird way. All right, but uh, I just, all kidding aside, I just thought that. Um, it just shows you how much things haven't changed that much. Well, yeah, it really it, it gives you a sense of what, like, <laughs> if you're talking about, you know, reforming the system from the inside and giving these cops better training and all this other stuff, like, what what we're actually grappling with, like, is so much bigger than, like, getting them a new police academy building or better training or whatever yeah. or mental health resources like like well i think it's all part of the same i mean it but it's just like the culture is so much more like it's so there's so much more that is unsaid that that are practices that are just like passed on from generation to generation of cops and it's just like it's an entire culture it's its own society like i think we have to think about police and the police department as its own society, like the way that, you know, our city is a society, like we, it's, it's its own culture, its own society. And the people who are part of that world live entire, they, they can choose to live. And many of them do. I think most of them do live entirely in a world that is supportive and reinforcing of that culture. They live in neighborhoods with a lot of other cops. They have their own accountants, their own lawyers, their own laundromats, their own real estate agents, like every kind of service you could possibly want to engage with the, the police, uh, members of the police department have their own people that they can go to that, that understand where they're coming from and who see their work as fundamentally good and right and necessary. Their kids go to schools full of other kids who are the kids of cops. So it's like to, to, to like changing the training manual or building a new police Academy building. Like, it's just like, it's like a drop in the bucket. Uh, and, uh, I see your point, and that's a good point. And the other thing that you raised uh, in the article or that Bill Dorsch did uh, had to do with not closing murder cases in uh, poor neighborhoods and black neighborhoods. And this is a point uh, that has been made uh, in the past, but I don't think it gets enough attention. The whole notion of if you do not close a murder case, then there's no accountability for the act of murder, and people think they can get away with it. But closing a case doesn't mean anybody was held accountable. Because the way that we mark a closed case isn't uh, th- through the achievement of a conviction 
that also is like then withstands any challenge yeah, I right it's like yes. it's like Legit- was there an arrest made yeah so the well, his point was like the pressure to clear first of all he told me stories about how like you know you'd make a burglary or robbery arrest bring mm-hmm. that in and then his supervisors would use that arrest to clear a bunch of other open and unsolved burglaries or robberies in the same so area. So it's not a legitimate closing of a case it's a Well and uh, furthermore it's it's often not a legitimate closure of the case because all all the police department counts as a closure is like an ordinary closure is like somebody was arrested for the crime. Mm-hmm. So there is no built-in incentive to arrest the right, right person exactly. because That's, all they yeah. need is that arrest to count and to connect with this with this particular yeah. crime. And uh, uh, so, yeah, so there's no accountability uh, overall. And uh, this is uh, this is an argument that has been made for hiring more detectives uh, to have more detectives to actually investigating really serious and important crimes in the city uh, with proper training, et cetera, and so forth. So that was another thing uh, that popped out. I urge everybody to check it out. The interview on. I am the bad guy. Bill Dorsch interview Maya did. All right, Maya, let's change the subject a little bit. You raised, uh, uh, there's two things I want to talk to you about. And I got the eye on the clock because I know you got to get out of here. Your car's parked and you're probably towed as we speak. Just for saying the things you just said. Oh, she's friends with Dorsch. Let's tow that car. Yeah, and they're like right across the street from here. So let's street. keep it moving. Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> she's got a car. Uh, so anyway, uh, cancel culture. This is uh, something on your mind. Explain to people what cancel culture is. yeah okay so uh i guess to explain cancel culture which is like you have to understand what people mean when they say something is somebody or some something is canceled basically it's like a way of saying that it's not okay to support someone anymore if they are uh if like somebody's been accused of sexual misconduct of some sort or like racism or other kind of uh behavior or actions or words that are uh we are deeming as like no longer acceptable Mm -hmm. like if somebody crosses that line they're the way like the social media parlance for it is like they're canceled um and uh I, i actually think that the best uh, observation I recently saw about this is that like canceling is just like another word for consequences that like what I mean what we're actually doing is like there's there's consequence somebody's experiencing consequences for doing or saying something shitty um but I think that even uh, as far as so so but this is being but this like uh a t- kind of trend of talking about, um, you know, basically calling people out for uh, doing or saying shitty things and then like saying they're canceled or treating them like they're canceled, you know, like, like R. Kelly being canceled is like people, it's like no longer okay to listen to R. Kelly and like be like supporting him by going to his concerts and buying his records or streaming his songs or whatever, like that because R. Kelly's canceled because R. Kelly is, you know, has is basically all but a proven pedophile and i mean i'm just saying you know like accused of of like many many decades of all kinds of pedophilic behavior with like all kinds of credible evidence to that effect so the kind of response to this you know way that we talk about uh the way that we call people out for for bad behavior or or words now is that like this is now like we're in this like era of like cancel culture and uh that that's bad because that means that we are kind of um 
moving to silence people who we disagree with. Um, but to me, like the, the sort of, I don't know, best observation I saw about this online recently, like I was just reading this Twitter thread today, but it's like, there has always been some kind of ostracism. Like when, like in a society, there's like things that are okay and not okay to say and do. And that like, since people have organized themselves into societies, like the consequences for doing and saying things that people don't agree with that like the mainstream society doesn't agree with is like, you get ostracized, you get exiled. And, um, it's not, it's like, it, it's, I think it's, it's, it, the, people are right to say that there's nothing new or novel about quote unquote cancel culture. That, that what's changing is that we, the, the umbrella of things that are not okay to say or do anymore has grown. And a lot of people are uncomfortable with that because as you pointed out earlier, like, um, who was the guy from SNL? I forget his name, but, uh, he's a young comic, 31 year old comic, uh, I, I can't remember his name. Just call him Billy Bob. Yeah, I mean, the, the standards basically are changing. So jokes <laughs> yeah. that were okay to make, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. He got kicked ago. off of Saturday Night Live because it was un- revealed that he made some offensive jokes about Asian Americans. I forget, uh, in a bit, I don't know when it was, and, and he uh, lost his job. And there's some of his supporters are really upset about Right, him. so like, you know, 20 or 30 years ago, would, maybe it would have been totally fine to say that mm-hmm. stuff. And you wouldn't have been canceled or exiled. But like... Now our society has come to some kind of, you know, shift in perspective that actually, hey, that's like not okay to say. So somebody is facing consequences for that. And by the way, like, no, I don't understand why anybody who doesn't live under a rock can credibly be like, well, I didn't know that it was like that it wasn't okay to say this stuff because like. Especially if you work in the media, if you work in comedy, if you work in comedy on a show that's like one of the most watched shows in America, like there's like, you know, it's like, you know, you know that there is like a change in perspective on certain kinds of humor. And so like, if you want to continue to pursue that way of, of, of making jokes or writing or whatever, like, I feel like you have to be somewhat prepared that like it's not going to go over well. And I think what I hear when people are like kind of, um, speaking out against cancel culture is like, well, this is unfair to people. Um, we're like exiling them and ostracizing them. Uh, but they may not know that standards have changed or whatever, whatever. And I mean, I don't know that, but that's the way exile works in a society. Like Dante was exiled. Listen, like Jesus was canceled. Uh, Jesus I, I, literally yeah. was canceled. That's what happened. He was saying a bunch of stuff that <laughs> like the mainstream culture did not like. And then they fucking canceled him. Okay. I'm not comparing the guy who just <laughs> lost his job at Saturday Night Live to Jesus, but I will say this, uh, it, in just this, uh, our discussion today, you, you, are, you gave another example of ostracism. Yeah. We Bill George was Dorsch. canceled. He was canceled. And so what I'm saying is that I believe it's sort of a, there's a normal reaction if people hear something that that irritates them or offends them or enrages them or angers them or upsets them uh they will they will turn against the person who is causing those feelings and sometimes in my humble opinion it's an irrational unjustified uh uh reaction against like i think it was irrational and justified for cops to turn against bill dorsch because he did when he did the right thing you know i just 
personally feel that way. In some cases, like I'm really struggling with this, for instance, with Michael Jackson. You know, I was a huge Michael Jackson fan. And uh, it's like the story of how he treated young boys is pretty upsetting. Uh, so how far yeah, do I, I go mean, with that? So now you, it, it, I, still, look, I still play him on the radio, by the way. I just heard Billie Jean the other day. Uh, look, the thing is that we, I think that we should, by all means, think critically about the way that we conceive of punishment and accountability and our tendency to want to um, obliterate people mm-hmm. who causes harm or offense because um you know i think that for the most part like punishment doesn't actually solve anything uh but uh i think that it like there's the the cancel stuff the ostracism and exile like that's that's just that's that's been going on forever like nothing is new about that i think what's disingenuous is when people are out of one side of their mouths like you know warmongering pro punishment like like you know people who spew opinions about how we need to um you know run our society with an iron fist and and go after people who who um you know don't fit in on in one way shape or form and then at the other side of their mouth whenever it's one of their types of people that gets canceled they're like no we need to rethink our systems of punishment like no like you know you can't be like for 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 like mass incarceration and for like giving people prison sentences for marijuana possession and then be complaining about cancel culture like you're uh, like the the you know who's consistently against cancel culture prison and police abolitionist because they don't believe that punishment is is like uh, the the it's the answer is not punishment in any context. So I mean that's taking it to an extreme. Yeah, well, yeah, but yeah. but say what you want, but at least it's consistent. Yeah. you know. So what, well, the, 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 the people foaming at the mouth about cancel culture are like fine with punishment when it applies to anybody yeah. but their own types of people. Yeah. So no, no, this I hear I know what you're saying. Uh, this is one of my favorite topics. Uh, right wingers when uh, people get insulted by what right wingers say. They call them snowflakes. When people criticize right-wingers positions that they have, like let's say their opposition to abortion, well, that's a deeply rooted religious belief. That's you. You can't. That you. Or I mean, look, even Bill Dorsch and the cops, like he basically (laughs) snitched on them, and they're not okay with that, and he's canceled because he snitched on them. But in the streets, the problem is that no one wants to snitch. Yeah. Like well, that's (laughs) yeah. You're right. And think about this. I mean, the aldermen in the city council, how enraged they got at Danny Solis for wearing a wire. They didn't get enraged that Ed Burke was shaking down Burger King operators or you know developers, etc. They were mad at Danny Solis for wearing the wire. By the way, I I know you got to go and get your car before it gets towed, but Caldero got fined twenty five thousand dollars from the ethics committee. The Ethics Commission of the City of Chicago uh, for providing Danny Solis with Viagra. I just think it's so bizarre how punishment gets meted out. Meanwhile, Ed Burke is still an alderman in the Chicago there City Council. Uh, anyway, Maya, great job as always. I didn't even get a chance. I, I'm going to tell. I'm urging you to see the movie Official Secrets before you head out the door. I saw it this weekend. It's, it. I found it. Um, it re- 
the 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 star of the movie kind of reminded me of you. I'm just going to put that out there. Well, okay. She's a whistleblower, a badass with a capital B, and uh, she pays the consequences for revealing secrets about the lying that went on to uh, gin up support for the B- George Bush's war against Iraq. I urge you to see it, and we can talk about it all next right. week. All right? Very Thank good. You. That's Maya. I'm Ben. We got all our guests are piling in here, man. They, I love it when guests come early. We'll bring them on when we return. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. The secret to being a good debater is devotion to the truth. Not winning the argument, but telling the truth, and I think that's what I've heard from voters. And if you can't do that, fake it. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J E F F M as in Mary, A N as in Nancy, U E L P I A N I S T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. He loves that Jeff Manuel. Your Ben Jarofsky show, hour number two for Tuesday, September 17th. is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions once again for jumping on board and bringing back the Ben Jarofsky show. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, and the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Hey, you unions, you guys are awesome. Thanks. Can't thank you enough. And of course, today's program is brought to you by our Good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Now, the first hour, this didn't work out too well. Let's see if we can make this one work. Hour number two. Let's go. Yeah, there we go. It is Tuesday, September 17th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. In this hour of the program, Sun-Times writer David Roeder will join us, and we welcome 42nd District State Rep Candidate Ken Mahia-Beal. 
And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Mahia Jarofsky. <laughs> yes, indeed. Ken Mahia Beal is on deck. We're going to bring him on pretty soon. Running against uh, Amy Grant to take back. Take back. I don't think the Democrats ever had it, so I can't say they're going to take it back. But to a win in a Jeannie Ives district, if that happens, that's like hell freezing over. But Ken says he's going to do it. I like a confident politician when he's of the Democratic persuasion. So Ken's on deck. I love it when guests come early. Dave Roder in the studio, as we said before, the hardest working man in journalism. Every time we see him, he's on the phone. He's got those two computers going, working deals. He's the business and labor reporter. So he covers both sides Ex- of the beat. Exactly. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm, I'm working on uh, replicating myself like three or four <laughs> times here, you know. But yeah, he's a busy guy. We got about four items I want to run down. Basically, I bring him in to talk about my one of my many obsessions, development in the city of Chicago. Also, uh, uh, the GM strike. I'm going to pick his brain on that one. D, before we do that, what you got for me? I got an update here. And first off, uh, if my mom just tuned in, no, not that Amy Grant. Oh, okay, yes. not that not Amy Grant. Singer of Baby Baby. All yeah. right, all right. We do have a uh, update here <laughs> involving a congressional candidate as well. Uh, it says here, oh, the following comes from the Chicago Sun Times and Lynn Sweet, Democratic House hopeful Marie Newman, in a primary rematch yes, against saw this. Mm-hmm. that damn Dan Lipinski, was endorsed <laughs> Tuesday today by Representative Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, a move by the controversial, charismatic freshman that could turn out progressives and turn off centrists in the suburban Chicago district. So, Ben, we already had an endorsement from Elizabeth Warren last week from Marie Newman. Now, AOC. Are Dan Lipinski's days numbered? I uh, am hesitant to say that. Uh, that Lipinski machine is a pretty powerful machine. They know how to turn out the vote. I thought Marie Newman was going to eke out a win in t- 2018, and uh, Lipinski managed to uh, twist enough arms and bring out enough voters to, to beat her. So uh, it's I still put my money on Lipinski uh, just because... Just because I gotta see it, I gotta I gotta see an old machine go down. But I'll tell you this: uh, that district is politically more to the left than people realize. Bernie took that district in the Democratic primary in 2016 against Hillary Clinton. So I don't think into, uh, into, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's endorsement is really going to be that controversial. It may be controversial on the Gold Coast of the city of Chicago where people love that Rom Kool-Aid, but I think in the in the third congressional, I got a feeling uh, that'll go over a lot better than people realize. So, But uh, Pinsky's tough act to beat, man. All right, so we're going to have to wait to find out and see if the effect of the AOC endorsement, well, how that'll take place. We are having a caption contest, by the way, people. It's a Lori Lightfoot caption contest. A picture of Lori Lightfoot sitting with Ivanka Trump is begging for your caption at the moment. <laughs> Head over to the Ben Jarofsky Show Facebook page, at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, and the spelling on that last name, J-O-R-A, V is in victory, S. KY. Send us your captions. We'll announce the top three winners at the end of tomorrow's program. And before we get out of here today, we'll read more of your captions. All right. Very good. David Roder is my guest. David Roder is, of course, the business and labor reporter for the Chicago Sun-Times. That's correct. Uh, thank you, uh, Robert Mueller. And uh, David, uh, as soon as I read your story in yesterday's paper, I sent you a text going, we got to talk about this because I thought it was a fascinating story. And then since then, there's been three others that I want to talk about. So I have a list here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we'll get to them all, and including the General uh, Motors strike, um, the UAW strike against General Motors. But before we uh, – let's start with this story yesterday. It was a column, I guess. Uh, a real estate bubble in the city of Chicago. Not just the sh- city of Chicago. I suspect that business districts like in New York, uh, Minneapolis, L.A., probably uh, facing the same situation. Uh, and that 
that is is that there's an expanding real estate market uh, fit with many uh, vacancies filled by companies that may themselves not be thriving in about 10 years. Talk well, yeah, about it. You know, first, a couple things going on. First, we've got uh, Uber expanding greatly here. And, y- you know, in its, uh, in its last quarter, Uber lost $5 billion. Mm-hmm. Now, I never went to business school, but I'm told that that's really hard to do. You know, yeah. uh, it's it's kind of crazy. Uh, there, And even on just kind of a normal operating level, there, there was some special things with that big loss, but they're still losing about a billion dollars a quarter. Mm. And uh, they, they haven't proved uh, you know their business model yet uh, so but they're they're signing some uh, you know some long-term leases here that's one thing and and landlords are you know falling all over themselves to try to do a, a deal with uber because it's got some cachet the other thing is uh, we're, we're getting this uh, all this expansion of uh, flexible office space uh, shared office space uh, the biggest company in the business is called we work and that again is uh, is a money loser. Uh, they've had to uh, delay their own uh, plans for an IPO because uh, you know their results are so bad. Wall Street was you know holding its nose, um, but they are that they're expanding, and the more they expand, the more money they seem to lose. So, uh, <laughs> what, what you know, what is, uh, yeah, is only in the business you know, world? Yeah. yeah so ahead. what's uh, is, so what's going on here? Yeah. Some of it is you know landlords are you know kind of taking a chance themselves. They they can they can do some things to kind of protect themselves in a lease. But you see some of this going on often in like the later stages of an expansion where uh, you know people are trying to you know take some chances uh, before uh, before the music stops. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a there's a lot of that going on. It does make you wonder uh, if uh, if some of these companies uh, collapse or uh, or have to scale back. Uh, you're going to have some uh, some empty office space in this town. I think that's something uh, to to look at. It might be something for you know for the mayor to think about she's, since she's uh, you know talking about uh, uh, you know taxing downtown real estate more and and the like. Uh, it's it, it's got to be a, a a concern of hers. The market overall has been going good, you know, for a number of years, um, and uh, there's more office space coming. Seems like the markets, you know, can handle what's coming. But uh, but if you if you start getting, uh, uh, you know, a real pullback, a recession here, uh, you could start seeing a lot more vacancies. Well, let's get into the, what you just uh, said about Uber, and it applies to Lyft as well, the ride sharing companies, the business model, and uh, it, it, whether that'll be successful. Now, obviously, when you lose five billion dollars in a quarter, it's not really successful. It just goes to show you how bizarre the business world is from the real world of most people. Most people lose five billion. Well, most people never receive five billion dollars. Mm-hmm. But if you lose five thousand dollars in a quarter, in a quarter of a year, most people are worried. You know, yeah. well, can I pay my bills? Five billion dollars is no joke. So that suggests strongly that it's propped up by a faith whether it's justifiable faith or not uh, in the future of that company. And yet, 
there was, and I know you follow these things. We talked about it last week in the show. Uh, there was a law passed in the state of California. One more time, everybody. Hasn't been signed yet by the governor, Newsom, but he says he will sign it, in which Uber and Lyft drivers will be treated as employees of the company as not and not individual contractors. And what does that mean? That means that Uber and Lyft will have to probably pay their employees more money. They'll have to spend more money on their employees. And that business model that you were just... A, uh, just talking about David seems to be based on the notion that they won't have to spend more money in their employees. Mm-hmm. So suddenly, does the business model work if you got to pay the people who do the work more yeah. money? Yeah, you know, you, you ask the the Uber people uh, about it, and uh, uh, of course, they're they're dead set against you know. Uh, making these gig workers, you know, their employees, they say, hey, we're we're helping, you know, part timers, we're helping independent businessmen. They're, one of their big things here is Uber Freight, you, you know, which is, uh, you know, guys with trucks, you know, driving around and uh, uh, and getting jobs to uh, to haul stuff. They, we're helping independent business people. So so, yeah, if you uh, if you make them employees, if you you know, if they have to pay benefits, this uh, this starts looking like uh, uh, you know, an even more difficult proposition. How many billions of dollars more are they going to lose? Yeah, it's uh, it, it it looks a little odd. It, one thing that could happen is maybe you know maybe parts of the Uber business might survive in in some form. That's just you know some speculation at, uh, on my part. But for the uh, uh, you know the, uh, the the daily pickups uh, that we see that uh, that competes with the cab business, that's how most people no uber uh you know we'll uh, we'll have to see if that survives or not well now let's put your uh, put on your real estate pants for a moment say you're a landlord say you're a landlord let's say at the post office the newly converted post office the old post of the enormous facility uh in the southwest loop which uh is now going to house uber and uh, thousands of employees do you commit to a long-term lease with a company Uber that you're uncertain whether they'll even be around uh, in ten years? Uh, you know, there's there's probably a few things I can do. I could uh, I could say to Uber, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll I'll sign a lease, but you got to have a an escrow account with uh, with your rent money, you know, up front. I got to see that. Uh, if you're if you're talking to some other like a similar tech startup, you might say, I, you know, hey, get your venture capital partners to put some money in, into an account here. I want to make sure, you know, I'm I'm not on the hook here. Landlords have some things they can do to uh, to protect themselves, but really, they are taking you know kind of a leap of faith. Landlords get to be somewhat in the business of their tenants uh, as it is. So they've got to, you know, understand what's going on. And some of them, yeah, they're they're rolling the dice a bit. Uh, and uh, let's uh, talk about uh, the other big news that you wrote about. I talked about it uh, uh, briefly already. Well, not briefly. I ran in and railed about it. Uh, the judge tosses suit versus uh, Lincoln Yard's TIF deal. Uh, I have my opinion as uh, to why the judge did what he did and as to why uh, Lori Lightfoot uh, did what she did in fighting the TIF deal. I'm really curious uh, what your thoughts are, but just so everybody knows, there was as soon as that Lincoln Yard TIF deal was passed by the city council uh, and Mayor Rahm in his last act as mayor, uh, it was challenged 
the TIFTI was challenged by the Grassroots Collaborative and Raise Your Hand Coalition, two activist groups in the city of Chicago on the grounds that it's illegal. And a, a circuit court judge, Neil Cohen, ruled yesterday that those plaintiffs did not have standing to file suit. And he tossed uh, the uh, tossed that case. Uh, you've been following that. You were in court, right? Was yes, it, yeah, uh, so. yes, which was uh, w- which was entertaining and interesting because it was uh, it was clear how the judge was uh, was going to rule. Um, although he yeah he reserved you know final judgment, but uh, the it was decided strictly on standing. Uh, the judge kind of sympathized with the, the groups involved, saying, yeah, I understand what you're doing, and you know, you're, you're exercising your freedom of speech. That's, that's all great here. But to, but to challenge this policy, uh, you've got to show some actual harm from it. Mm-hmm. Their response was, well, our harm is that we spent money on, on fighting this. And the judge says, that's, you know, that, that's your decision. That's not harm, yeah. you know. So you could tell which way it was, it was going to go. He, you know, so he kicked it out uh, pretty far. What, uh, it, you know, in my own, you know, conversations with the groups involved, this was one thing. This was a legal avenue they were following. What the, what the real thing is, is this is lobbying now. You know, this is, you know, working on the Lightfoot administration uh, to examine that TIF as it goes forward. And, and and seeing if expenditures you know are reviewed and approved as on an ongoing basis does she want to you know change any of the uh, you know the limits there uh, if if the I, I don't think she is of a mind to revoke the tiff uh, but she could scale it back and and you know possibly I think you know be on good solid you know legal grounds there but uh, I you know I, I think the, uh, the the volume of this tip the you know the massiveness of this it does give her pause certainly you know yeah and uh, by the way she campaigned against it uh, and she spoke out against it so be seeing uh, I, I I I thought it was interesting that she uh, sent her uh, lawyers it was the, the Lori Lightfoot's administration as I've pointed out many times in the show uh, fought the lawsuit. They, so city lawyers were in court arguing against Raise Your Hand Coalition and against the Grassroots Collaborative. And they are the ones who made the arguments that uh, Judge Cohen uh, ultimately bought, which is that the uh, the plaintiffs had no standing to file the suit. So it'll be interesting. You know, so in many ways, I've been arguing that she's lost the leverage of this lawsuit that would have forced that she may have been able to use to force concessions from the developers. So we're going to see uh, how she, how it all plays out. Do you think they're going to appeal? Did they say whether they're going to appeal? The, the decision they haven't said that yet but i mean the uh the the legal arguments on this seem pretty clear and the judge's mind was uh, was made up pretty yeah. quickly i don't think there's uh, much of a gray area on that legal question yeah uh and uh all right so let's so, move over to uh, the general motors uh, situation and uh, i talked about this very briefly uh, uh at the outset of the show and i pointed out uh david Roeder that uh we are uh, i am an objective journalist and that I look at both sides of any story before I render an opinion. And so as an uh, objective journalist, it's General Motors, uh, this 
gazillion dollar corporation, the UAW, the workers. And so absolutely, I am not taking a stand in this anyway, in any shape or form to say, except to say, stop being so cheap, General Motors, and pay your workers. Sorry, David, I just, I don't know where that came from. Uh, why don't you render a little more objective analysis of what's going down in there? You know, my uh, my hope in this is that the, the strike isn't going to be very long. I uh, I think, you know, even uh, over the weekend, there was a little bit like almost conciliatory language on, on both sides indicating you know, that maybe they're, they're closer to, to reaching a deal here. The union did what it had to do. It's, it, it, it took its people out. Um, there's not going to be a great effect on consumers for some time because they've got you know, several weeks uh, in the of cars worth of uh, worth of cars in the dealerships already, mm-hmm. so people aren't going to be seeing a lot of of this right now. But you've got uh, you've got issues here about the uh, the the, the two tiered pay system uh, for you know more senior versus less work less senior workers. Uh, they argue that uh, it uh, it kind of hurts uh, the uh, the feelings in on the factory floor when you got people doing the same work for different pay. You've got uh, pretty large health insurance costs that the the company face faces. They're they're trying to scale that back, and uh, they they targeted GM because. After its turnaround, GM has been, prom, uh, you know, posting some real healthy profits too. So they think they they can get a deal there that'll be used as a pattern for uh, for Ford and for Fiat Chrysler. Uh, I I just uh, hope this isn't going to go too long. What impact will it have on the Chicago economy? Do you see any uh, impact of a strike? You know, you've uh, you've got a number of uh, suppliers here. Uh, but Ford is the uh, you know the biggest uh, automotive presence here, and there you know there's no you know direct hit there. Uh, but you've got some GM suppliers uh, that uh, will have to watch out you know with uh, with what's going on right now. Um, so this uh, right now it's a it's very limited, and hope it'll stay that way. Well, and uh, it, when you mentioned that uh, the way these negotiations take place, if like General, General Motors cuts a deal, that's a little more generous for workers that, that could be the prototype that Ford would have to follow so that could be an impact of Ford mm-hmm. I'll just read this uh, paragraph from the New York Times before we move on this is the their coverage of this, the strike uh, with no other option the United Automobile Workers agreed to allow General Motors to hire new workers at roughly half the hourly wage of those already in the payroll and with significantly reduced retirement benefits in the following years GM was also able to bring in temporary workers with even slimmer wage and benefit packages and little job security the bitter medicine helped reinvigorate the automaker and for the last several years it has been reaping record profits along the way it has paired its united states payroll closed several plants and moved more workers to mexico quote we have given away so many concessions over the last eight plus years and this company has been ridiculously profitable over that time that's why we're here we're fighting to get everything that we lost back that's Chaz acres an assembler and they're they're fighting to get some of those plants back like uh, like lordstown ohio that you know, Trump made a big deal of it. It'd be interesting if you know. We'll see if uh, if, if Trump ever tweets support for these uh, guys this doing this thing. Apps, that's a great point. Donald Trump has always articulated his support, whether he's followed up with real action, but he's articulated support for workers in these disputes. This is a sh- 
you know, he gave uh, the, the richest people in the country a huge tax break last year. This will be interesting to see if he weighs in and uses the power of the tweet uh, for this one. Uh, before I let you go, David, any uh, updates, development updates you want to share with our, our listeners, uh, stuff that you've posted this today? Yes, uh, yes today uh, we're, uh, we're writing about uh, some uh, changes involving uh, the Chicago Board Options Exchange here and its uh, corporate parent. Uh, always a big presence here in downtown Chicago. They're moving their offices into the old post office, the, the aforementioned humongous thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but what I thought was kind of equally interesting was uh, they're, uh, they're relocating their trading floor, what's left of it, yeah. uh, into the old uh, Chicago Board of Trade building at the, uh, the base of LaSalle Street there. That was actually where they were born in the 1970s. And they, uh, you know, they had their operation there. They outgrew it moved to uh, 400 South LaSalle, uh, where their business grew exponentially. And uh, now most of that business is, is electronic. A lot, you know, the, the trading floor is a fraction of the size that it used to be. So they're, they're going back into the, uh, the space they, uh, they, they used to have. So a little bit of uh, nostalgia there. But their, their corporate move to the post office just signifies what a, <clears throat> you know, what a big uh, center for corporate relocations that place has become and kind of a, a new area for uh, companies that pride themselves on being tech savvy and, mm. and all of that. Yeah, and it's, it is interesting because I recall uh, years ago, it, there were so many people employed by the trading uh, empires here in the city of Chicago and you'd see them in the loop running around at you know, lunchtime with, their, with their bright uh, jackets. Yeah. yeah. And, and as things change, as that industry changes to become more computer based, you see fewer and fewer people in bright jackets. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, uh, there's an impact for landlords right in the city of Chicago right there. You know, mm -hmm. I have uh, uh, fewer people downtown. What, who's going to eat in the restaurants? Uh, I've always argued uh, that I won't drag you into this argument that one of the reasons this cited for uh, a, an opposition to South Street tax is that these companies will move and we'll lose the jobs. Well, I got news for you guys. We're losing the jobs already because of changes in their industry. So maybe it, yes, but if you if you talk a, a transaction tax, this is one business that can literally flick a switch and send the trading into some server outside the city or and, outside the state. Yeah, or outside I, I, the, the yeah, state. Yeah, you know. uh, and that is, uh, boy, the way I, I know some uh, left of center people who probably heard you say that, uh, David, and are just like screaming, no, 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 Maybe we'll have that debate some other time. David Roeder is my guest. David, thank you so much. He is the ace business and labor reporter for my beloved Bright One, the Chicago Sun-Times. Great job as always, young man. Thanks a lot. All right, that's you. David Roeder. Uh, Ken Mahea uh, Beal from the 42nd District in the western suburbs is sitting on deck. He <laughs> what a monumental task. He's going to be a Democrat who wins Genie Ive's seat. I can't wait to uh, introduce him to everybody. We'll be right back after this. Attention Chicago innovators and creators, 2019 Chicago Ideas Week is coming soon. October 12th through the 17th, this annual Ideas Festival is back, and it's the largest, most affordable Ideas Festival of its kind. They bring in hundreds of thought leaders from around the globe and some local to share ideas and spark action all across Chicago. To get a better idea of what to expect, here's a bit of audio from last year's Chicago Ideas Week with special guest and Chicago comedian, Hannibal Burris. The real reason I came home is just because I was trying 
traveling a lot anyway. I wasn't in New York that much, and I don't have a full-time job in New York. I work a lot, but I'm not in New York, so it was just like, I don't, I don't need to be here anymore. And, I, and also, I just wanted to work on different stuff here in Chicago, so I have this center that I'm working on on the west side, Melvina Masterminds. It's going to be arts and, and then a tech program and after-school programming for uh, kids in, a, in the North Austin area. So just wanted to be back. There we go. October 12th through the 17th, it's 2019 Chicago Ideas Week. Tickets go on sale to members on August 22nd and to general public September 10th. Once again, if you're an innovator or creator in the city of Chicago or even outside the city, You must join us for Chicago Ideas Week, October 12th through the 17th. For tickets and event information, head to chicagoideas.com. That's chicagoideas.com. And we hope to see you October 12th through the 17th. Come October, I'll address those challenges further in my budget speech. The secret to being a good debater is devotion to the truth. Not winning the argument, but telling the truth, and I think that's what I've heard from and if voters. You, and if you can't do that, fake it. Listen, I mean, President, President Clinton got the kid from hope, and he could his story was relatable to where people were living their lives. President Obama was about the audacity of hope and what his candidacy embodied and what it meant for them in the country. And it is very important to relate to people and be relatable, where they can understand what is in here. They're going to pull the hood up, and we've seen it, all of us who've been helping candidates or run ourselves. People are going to, the voters that are watching tonight and thinking about becoming Democrats in this upcoming election, they're going to see what moves this. Not just the ideas, but what motivates. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. All right, everybody. Today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by the damn finest thrift shop in all of Chicago, Green Element Resale. It's located at 6241 North Broadway, and people, it is amazing. All right. Books, furniture, antiques, clothes, all kinds of things. Yes, it is a thrift shop, but it's the only thrift shop that helps bring you the Ben Jaromsky show. So if you're ever on Broadway between Granville and Devon, stop into Green Element Resale and tell them thank you. I'm looking at their website right now, just pulling up some of the things I'm seeing here. They got pictures of all the things in Green Element Resale. Oh, there's a picture frame. Picture frame, everybody. Get it now while it's while it's there. Green Element Resale. I see a couch. There's a mattress. Oh, so many things at Green Element Resale. They may be sold out of candles because, boy, our host, Ben Jarofsky, sure loves candles. My goodness. <laughs> What's your favorite candle these days? Uh, the Cannabis Candle. Oh, still the yeah. Cannabis Candle. Yeah, I love the Cannabis Candle. Most people would light a candle to get rid of that smell, but you <laughs> like the smell so much that you just get a Cannabis Candle. It's fantastic, guys. Green Element Resale. Find their website, Green GreenElementResale.com, Monday through Saturday, 11 a.m. until 7 p.m., Sundays, 12 until 7 p.m. Green Element Resale, go there and save tons 
of money. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Ken Mejia Beal sitting with me in the studio uh, as candidate for state representative seat 40, no, 42 in the western suburbs. We're going to bring him on talk about politics and how the Democrats can win a seat that I bet you 10 years ago, no Democrat thought could be taken, but it's right there for the Democrats, right there within reach. All you got to do is reach up and take it. 42nd District, GDI has represented it uh, until she decided she was going to run run against Bruce Rauner. D, you got an update for me before I bring Ken on? Absolutely, I do. If you haven't heard the news, over the weekend, the Ben Jarofsky Show, we have reached 2,000 likes on our Facebook page. And to celebrate, well, like we always do, we're having ourselves a caption contest. It's a Lori Lightfoot caption contest this time time around it's true head over to the facebook page as soon as possible and leave us a caption if you haven't yet we're going to announce our top three captions at the end of wednesday's show the picture just begging for your caption is posted at the top of our page it's one of Lori lightfoot fresh off of her mayoral victory during her trip to our nation's capital and her visit with Ivanka Trump. For some reason, Donald Trump wasn't around. So uh, she met with Ivanka Trump. And uh, that's the picture that's posted. All right. Quite a few of you have left us your captions. So let's go ahead and read the captions we have here. We did this earlier. So we'll read the ones that we've yet to read. Once again, the picture begging for your caption. One of Lori Lightfoot and Ivanka Trump just sitting down staring at each other. All right. So (laughs) picture that as I read. Dar. Dar weighed in. Oh, hey, Dar. What up? What's going on, Dar? Dar, it's a simple one. Dar's uh, caption is Lightfoot to Ivanka. Lightfoot saying, what the hell is wrong with your father? That sums it all up, doesn't it? How about Ed's caption? Ed, now this is Lightfoot talking here. Lightfoot says to Ivanka, "Uh, hey, does your dad still know those Russian loan sharks? I have a city or a friend who might need to borrow about $800 million. It's always good to know a Russian loan shark. How about Sonia? Sonia caption. Thank you so much for weighing in, Sonia. Sonia puts, and then once again, this is Lightfoot talking. Once again, picture Lightfoot and Ivanka staring at each other. All right. Lightfoot says, uh, you do know we're going to get rid of that hideous sign on the Trump Tower. <laughs> Can't get rid of it fast enough, as far as I'm concerned. Look at my building. <laughs> Hank, Hank weighed in. I like Hanks. Hank says, uh, now this is Lightfoot talking to uh, Ivanka. Yeah, and then I told Burke to STFU and <laughs> STFD. Okay. Ben, what's yeah, STFD? I, I have no idea. <laughs> you know, some kind of millennial It's thing. sit the beep down. Oh, I see. <laughs> That's that ST- millennial talk. STFU is shut the beep up. Ah. <laughs> we're getting them hip, guys. Yeah, we're getting them hip. I'm really hip, man. <laughs> well, we're getting it. What is hip? One of my favorite songs from and the 70s. And there went that hipness. Okay. <laughs> Jeff weighed in with a caption. Jeff puts, I dare you and your uh, Cheeto father to come to Chicago. Very good. Cheeto. Get it? Two more. Yeah. <laughs> Two more here. How about Trent? Trent's caption. And this is Lightfoot talking. Lightfoot says to Ivanka, hey, I was in Trump Tower last night. The rats are in the basement. <laughs> And finally, Brett weighed in. Brett says, seriously, though, how do you deal with him? We can just turn the TV off. You're related to the guy. Yeah, that is tough. By the way, the winner of this contest, free copy of the Mueller report. Oh, you're going to give him your your copy? No. They're going to get this blue Mustang. (laughs) Oh, boom, boom. All right. Men's not going to mail that to you either. The Mueller report. Read it. I read it. You read it. The caption's coming. At the end of uh, Wednesday's program, we will announce our winner at Benny J Show. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show. J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. We look forward to reading your captions. And keep it clean, guys. All right, watch your mouths. Yes, anyway, 
I, as I was saying earlier in the show, I, I saw the movie Official Secrets this weekend. Great flick. And having seen Official Secrets, I urge everybody who you're politically minded, if you're listening to my show, you're politically minded, to go check it out. And it made me think, D, as I said earlier, that Donald John Trump may not have been, may not be the worst president of the 21st century. George W. Bush is right up there. You can make the argument that George Bush is worse than uh, Donald Trump. I urge everybody to check out Official Secrets. All right, Ken, thank you so much for uh, uh, stopping by. I appreciate it. So Schlepp coming in from the western <laughs> suburbs and I appreciate you uh, taking the drive. Thank so, you for thank. having me. All right. Um, you are uh, running for 42nd Legislative District, and as I've been saying all day, that's Jeannie Ives' old uh, seat. Jeannie Ives, of course, is a little to the right of Ronald Reagan Donald Trump. She's out there uh, and she, uh, her successor, Amy Grant, uh, is pretty much cut from the same cloth politically and ideologically speaking. So it is a long shot. Uh, and yet you're, uh, you're, you're announcing your campaign. You're already running. Just take the moment to introduce yourself to people. Tell a little bit about who, uh, uh, who you are and how you got here. Sure. So within the movement, I've done a lot. Uh, before 2016. So before Trump got elected, I was doing stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I'm currently the national co-chair for the NAACP's environmental department. I am a people's lobby co-chair for the fair tax. I am on the uh, Vernetta Gray Council for Howard Brown Health. I'm on the Equality Illinois Advisory Panel. Uh, panel yeah. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I take a look at what can be done policy-wise. So right now we're in an era where we have a lot of activists that want to run for office, and I encourage them to. But what we need is someone that has the activism side but also can get policy passed. That's what I do. I have passion, but I also have purpose, and I know how to get stuff done. And we are, as we move into the future, we have to have more of that. We need more folks like myself that can say, this is what I'm passionate about, this is the problem, these are the solutions. Mm -hmm. And we don't have enough of that. Are you from the district yourself? Is that where you, uh, you I, were born and raised, so et cetera? I've lived in the district for over a decade. I'm born and raised on the south side of Chicago. Um, I moved to the district when I was, my God, 23, 24. Um, and I've been there ever since. Now, let me ask, that's sure. interesting right there. Uh, I did not know you were from the city of Chicago. I should do a bit more prep, show prep. Uh, I thought you were from Lyle, uh, which is... Uh, I live in Lyle. I live in Lyle, okay. Mm -hmm. So what high school did you go to? John F. Kennedy. Oh, you went to Kennedy High in the south sure side did. of the city of Chicago. So uh, what got a kid from the south side of Chicago, the southwest side of Chicago, mm -hmm. that's where John Kennedy High School is, uh, a kid from the southwest side of Chicago to move to Lyle? Sure. So what got me to move, my job moved. And uh, the commute is a long commute. So I decided to move. I moved to Naperville um, to cut down on my commute time. And then I had a change of employment and I decided to stay because I, I love where I live. I love the community. I love the camaraderie. I love where I live. So that's why I stayed there. And, you know, when I was just moved to Chicago, mm -hmm. DuPage County uh, was largely a white community. It was a very conservative community. Uh, it would not be the kind of place where a kid from the south, a black kid from the southwest side of Chicago mm -hmm. would find roots. Things have obviously changed in DuPage County since I moved to this area back in 1981. Absolutely. So DuPage County is a very open community. And yeah, 
there are conservative people there, of course, but there's conservative people everywhere. What I love about DuPage County, though, is you know where you're wanted and you know where you're not wanted. And as someone that's from Chicago, that's a problem in Chicago, is that you really don't know where you're wanted and not wanted. In DuPage, it's very clear, like, you're welcome here, or eh, we really don't want you here. Um, so for me, it's a safe, it's a safe space for everybody, um, as long as you can navigate it well. And did you get involved in democratic politics in DuPage County almost from the moment you got out there? No, I stayed involved in Cook County politics, to be honest with you. Uh, I did not think that my voice and my actions were going to be appreciated in DuPage County. Um, At the time, I was a lot younger, and I've always looked a lot younger than I am. And the first uh, democratic event I went to was, oh God, back in 2000 and maybe eight. And I was kind of patted on the head and said, nice ideas. And I said, okay, this isn't where... This is out in DuPage County. Yeah. Go ahead. I said, okay, this isn't where I'm going to be able to inspire change. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, um, around 2016, after Trump was elected, there was a huge space where my ideas and my thoughts were now wanted and asked for and sought out. So then I stopped working as much in Cook County, and I started working within my own community. What were some of the pivotal races in DuPage County that inspired you to think that you could run for office out there as well? Um, So in 2018, I worked on a lot of the midterm races, um, and a lot of my friends were elected to office. Um, And that's not even what inspired me to think I could run. I did not fully decide to run until February of this year. because I know that I am the best person for the job. And I didn't look at it as a Democrat-Republican thing. I looked at it as I am simply the most qualified person for this position. I have a property tax background. I have a very extensive knowledge of taxes. And I've also had personal experience um, within the health care community, within environmental community. That means I can go to the table with something. Uh, as I was saying earlier, Jeannie Ives was the state rep from the 42nd district <laughs> mm-hmm. for many years. And the 42nd district is, has a huge chunk of it is in Wheaton, which mm-hmm. is, has always been a, a traditionally a conservative a town. This is There's a debate going in the Democratic Party. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Sure. Where uh, there's some advocates who say that the best way for Democrats to win is to sort of emulate the Republicans in their district uh, and just be a little more moderate. So in this case, uh, you would be against uh, reproductive rights uh, because Jeannie Ives was against reproductive rights. You'd be against gay rights because Jeannie Ives was against mm-hmm. gay rights. Uh, you'd be against any kind of funding of any kind of social program. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Jeannie Ives voted no every almost every time. Uh, so, or are you going to just be an open, mod, uh, progressive Democrat? So, I want to say something really quickly. The seat does not have Jeannie Ives' name tattooed on it. It is not Jeannie Ives' seat. It is the seat of the people of the 42nd District. So, number one. Number two, I am very open about my... Um, I'm very much for women's reproductive rights. I'm very much for LGBT rights. I'm very much for human rights. I'm not gonna hide that. Where we have a problem as Democrats is messaging. I am good at messaging. At the end of the day, we can talk about conservative, uh, talk to conservative Americans about these issues and we might not agree. 
And that's okay. Let's talk about what we do agree on. And I think in this country, especially, we have been taught not to talk about politics instead of how to talk about them respectfully. Mm -hmm. I knock on doors. I meet people that are very much anti-choice. They do not slam the door in my face because I say, this is where we disagree. What can I do to help you? And we talk about it. I think we have to have room for conversation and we have to have room to disagree. What are some of the issues? That's a, a, a point I never considered. What are some of the issues uh, in which you can find agreement with an uh, anti-choice constituent on? Well, whether anti-choice constituents are lacking money, um, our revi- our, our, the cost of living in Illinois is increasing and it is driving people away. Mm-hmm. Um, I sat down with a bunch of small bar business owners when I decided to run. The cost of alcohol revenue is putting them out of business. That's why I've gone on the record and said I'll be a consistent no vote on raising it anymore. It's too much already. I'm against vice taxes. That's where we agree. Um, Where else we agree? Um, You know, heart attacks are not Democrat or Republican issues. They happen to everybody. Mm -hmm. And I've never met a Republican that's wanted dirty water and dirty air. These are universal issues. Our messaging just has to be on point. And that's what I do. Well, if Republicans don't want dirty water and dirty air, they sure have a funny way of showing it. Well, uh, the pre- <laughs> president of the United States is a- annihilating uh, environmental well, oversight programs. Yeah. So with that, I mean, when I say Republicans, there's a difference between, for me, fundamental Republicans and Trump supporters. There is a fundamental difference. Trump supporters won't open their door for me. And that's okay. I have had conversations with Republican Americans who have openly disagreed with me that they won't sign my petition and ask me politely to leave their front porch. And that's okay because I'm not for everybody. So wait, so Trump supporters won't even, they see you and they just don't even open the door? No, they will not open the door. Do you have like a big button on uh, that says uh, Ken Mejia, Beal, 42nd District? I mean, they, they know who you that you, why you're there? I mean, let's face it, Ben. When you see me walking down the street, <laughs> the assumption is that I'm a Democrat yeah. and I'm knocking on your door. Uh-huh. Like, People I mean, can see why we're on there so they can make the, yeah, draw like, the conclusion. Yeah, <laughs> I've never been asked at a door, oh, are you a Democrat? Or the, the, the assumption is that I'm a Democrat, which is, you know, right. And uh, sorry, you said it's not Jeannie Ives' seat. No, it's, it's the not. 42nd legislative seat. That was a pretty good line. On the other hand, she was reelected several times. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was very right wing. Mm-hmm. She was so right wing that she was outraged by Bruce. She didn't think Bruce Rauner was right wing enough. And she ran against Bruce Rauner and she gave up the seat. Uh, so her successor, Amy Gr- uh, Grant, mm-hmm. was uh, challenged and it was a little closer than I expected. Uh, I think it was 52 to 48. Don't quote cool. me on that. No, you're something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so talk a little bit about that 2018 race against uh, when the Democrat carrier came close to. Sure. Me. So I want to say first, Kathy Carey is a really good friend of mine and she's my outreach director and I have a lot of respect for her. She ran a great race. I believe Amy Grant won because of name recognition based on mistaken identity. I mean, they um, thought she was the singer. Correct. <laughs> Wow. Um, so, I mean, yeah. it, it, if we look at that, yeah. all things considered, I believe that's why she won. Yeah. Um, but with that said, I'm more focused on, because at this point, I'm not running against Amy Grant. Yeah. I'm running for the people. I very seldom talk about her. 
Uh, she's not in my she's not in my rearview mirror. She's not in any mirror at all. You should change your name to Lionel Richie. I don't want to do that. No, just um, <laughs> I, I don't dance on ceilings or anything, so that's just saying, not you know, my thing. If people get confused by a name, uh, the, oh, I love Lionel Richie. Who see, doesn't like Lionel they Richie? They see Amy Grant, Lionel Richie. Like, holy crap, this town. <laughs> a lot of awesome people live here. Uh, I might consider it. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just an idea. Um, but uh, okay, so uh, so what are the issues like the, 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 the that you think are those wedge issues that you can bring over? Um, Republican voters, sure. or moderate voters, or swing voters. So my core, I think in Illinois, we can stomp out chronic illness. I think a lot of the focus is on medication, medication, medication. Mm-hmm. My focus is on we can get rid of type 2 diabetes. Let's do public education on it. My issue is let's get rid of AIDS in Illinois. Let's eradicate it. I'm Yeah, don't get me wrong. I want to focus on medication, too. But at my core, I want to put out fires. Mm-hmm. I think as a, as a state, we walk around saying, let's put out fires. How about we avoid the fires in the first place? So what I do is I take a look at issues that we have in the state and how we can avoid them completely. And that's my platform. Um, and that is where I get a lot of the community to come together. I'm not, I'm not a politician. I've never pretended to be. I'm a guy that works a nine to five. Um, I pay bills, I pump my own gas, and I curse sometimes because it costs a lot. I get it. I'm also a guy that was unemployed, and I had to make my unemployment last over a week. Mm -hmm. I've been there. And it's hard for most of our state reps and senators, God bless them, are lawyers and consultants. They don't know what it's like to go paycheck to paycheck. In my district, a bill, an unexpected bill of $600 shakes a family, mm-hmm. whether it's my district, your district, any district. That's what we have in common. You, you mentioned that you're supportive of the fair tax, and that, of course, is the initiative sponsored or backed, I should say, by Governor Pritzker mm-hmm. uh, to make uh, wealthier people pay more in taxes to make our system more progressive. And so uh, presumably we'd have less dependence on uh, the property tax, which mm-hmm. is going up not just in Chicago, but in DuPage County where mm-hmm. you're running. Uh, what's, what's your sense of how people in DuPage County are seeing the fair tax? Um, well, it depends on who they have gotten their information from. There's a lot of uh, misinformation going around that says that Governor Pritzker is going to tax everyone and it's going to be crazy and we're all going to be homeless. Well, that's not true. At the end of the day, I believe everybody should pay their fair share. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I believe it is. Now, Do I want to see more bracket numbers and see better breakdowns? Absolutely. I'm an analytical guy. But at the surface level, I think if you are making millions and millions of dollars, you should not be in the same tax bracket as a single mom that's bringing in $26,000 a year. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. Ken Mejia Beal is his name. He's running for state representative as a Democrat in the 42nd District. That's a suburban district in DuPage County. Uh, Jeannie Ives' old seat. It's not the Jeannie Ives seat, but Absolutely it happens not. to be her old seat. <laughs> and uh, I find it very intriguing that the Dems could take Jeannie Ives' old seat. We're going to have more with Ken when we return. Just biked around Lake Michigan, nearly a thousand miles. 
Rahm Emanuel, winners and losers tonight, I mean, if any. Well, there is a, a lot of people got a chance to advance their campaign. I actually, you know, if you look at the whole field, I think that uh, Vice President Biden did, Senator Warren did. I do think that uh, Mayor Pete, Amy, uh, Senator Globuchar, all, and Senator Harris all got a chance to advance their uh, campaign. They had moments that will be taken away. I think the biggest loser in this is uh, obviously former Secretary Castro that I think had a moment that he actually went tougher and meaner and it had a streak that is not going to work for him. I do think this. I think the party, I would say the first two debates, the party did not do well. I actually think the party this time as a whole, we showed as a, the slew of candidates collectively, you walk away, the gestalt, the moment, the party actually is a little more uh, in a better position. What worried me, we were talking about this earlier in the Pew poll that Democrats were, as ever since the presidential debate started, started having a negative impression. Today's Ben Jaromsky Show was brought to you in part by Chicago Architecture Center. See the city from a whole new angle on a Chicago Architecture Center tour. With more than 85 tours to choose from, there are endless stories to discover. Book your tour at architecture.org slash tours. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm on a tour. Oh my, what magnificent architecture. Get a special discount for Illinois residents from July 15th to August 15th. All Illinois residents get 50% off select walking tours. Visit architecture.org slash IL dash resident. Many of your opponents support a commission to study the issue of reparations for slavery. But you are calling for up to $500 billion in financial assistance. What makes you qualified to determine how much is owed in reparations? Well, first of all, it's not $500 billion in financial assistance. It's $500 billion, 200 to $500 billion payment of a debt that is owed. That is what reparations is. We need some deep truth-telling when it comes. We don't need another commission to look at evidence. I appreciate what uh, Congressman O'Rourke has said. It is time for us to simply realize that this country will not heal. All that a country is is a collection of people. People heal when there's some deep truth-telling. We need to recognize that when it comes to the economic gap between blacks and whites in America, it does come from a great injustice that has never been dealt with. That great injustice has had to do with the fact that there was 250 years of slavery followed by another 100, 100 years of domestic terrorism. What makes me qualified to say 200 to $500 billion? I'll tell you what makes me qualified. If you did the math of the 40 acres and a mule, given that there was four to five million slaves at the end of, of of the Civil War, they were fortified, and they were all promised 40 acres and a mule for every family of four. If you did the math today, it would be trillions of dollars, and I believe that anything less than $100 billion is, is an insult, and I believe that 200 to $500 billion is, is politically feasible today because so many Americans realize there is an injustice that continues to form a toxicity underneath the surface, an emotional turbulence Ms. that Williamson, only reparations Thank you very much. Senator Sanders. Hey, listeners, get the inside scoop on all things Chicago Bears this football season with the annual Sometimes Bears magazine. Dive into features of players, coaches, games, and plays, and get excited for the 100th season of football. 100 seasons, holy cow. This collectible magazine is just what you need to get ready for this fall. You can order your copy of the magazine right now at suntimes.com forward slash C-S-T shop. And when you get that magazine, one thing you're not going to be able to read 
is this little noise. What's that football noise, Ben? Reset 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Ready, set 2020. <laughs> Grab your copy today. Once again, it's suntimes.com forward slash C-S-T shop. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. Ken Mejia Beal, a candidate for 42nd Legislative District out in DuPage County, uh, is my guest. He's running uh, as a Democrat, a uh, pro-choice, pro-gay rights Democrat. I know it's hard to believe in Jeannie Ives' country, and he's telling me it's not Jeannie Ives' country. All right, it'll soon be Ken country. How about that? Kids country. Anyway, I got this uh, email while we're in the air from Terry Cosgrove, who's always bossing me around for Personal Pack. Uh, and Terry wants me to remind everybody that Personal Pack will be having its big fundraising uh, luncheon Monday, September 23rd. Uh, Cecile Richards will be the, the guest speaker. And she, of course, is the former head of Planned Parenthood, the daughter of Ann Richards, uh, the great governor from Texas from way back in the day before anybody in this room was born, or at least was following politics. Uh, and so Cecile, and she'll be a guest on the Ben Jarofsky Show, I believe, tomorrow, D. So, cool. Yeah, I know it's very cool. And uh, so Terry Cosgrove said, if if you want your tickets, get them at www.personalpack.org. Personalpack, P-E-R-S-O-N-A-L-P-A-C. Terry Cosgrove, a big force in Illinois politics for many years and a, a regular guest on the Ben Jarofsky oh, Show. And Terry actually just texted me, Dennis, tell Ben to put on his big boy pants. Whoa! <laughs> Terry in his big boy pants. Oh, man, did we argue. Uh, Terry Cosgrove and I spent the better part of 2018, or at least the first part of it, arguing over whether uh, I should vote for Dan Biss, uh, Bob Diber, or J.B. Pritzker. And uh, I think Terry was I voted for Biss. Terry voted for Pritzker. Anyway, we argued that point. Uh, Ken, uh, you are a supporter, uh, one more time, of reproductive rights. Absolutely. I believe a medical decision should be between a patient and, their, and, and the doctor, period. Have you met the great Terry Cosgrove yet? I love Terry. Okay. Um, I'm going to see him next week. I, I love Terry. He does great work. Are you going to be at the uh, the luncheon on Absolutely. Monday? Absolutely. Oh, okay. I'll see you there. I'll be there as well. Yeah. Uh, all right. We were talking about uh, the uh, uphill battle, or I was talking about his uphill battle. It's been a Republican seat for a long time. Uh, a carrier who ran in 2018 made some strides, got 48% of the vote. So, you know, that's uh, that's closing the gap. What kind of ground game are you going to have? Uh, to defeat uh, Amy Grant. So what we've been doing since uh, it was negative 50 degrees, and I remember that's when I started making calls to people saying, I'm going to run. We started knocking doors well before we announced we were going to run. We had 17 meet and greets with different organizations before I announced I was running. Our ground game has been to let the people know that I was there and that I was going to run well before I announced I was going to run. By the time I announced, it was the worst kept secret in the world. Um, Nobody was surprised by it because everyone knew about it. So that's been our ground game. I got supporters first, and then I said, okay, now let's go out there and do the work instead of doing the work and then hoping people support me later. 
Are, are there any uh, a, a examples or models that you have in mind? I'm thinking there were some couple, very successful campaigns in your neck of the woods. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Lauren Underwood, uh, Sean Caston. Are these role models for you? Absolutely. So Congressman Caston is someone um, which has been helpful at the door. I did his volunteer training. So there have been many doors I get to, and they say, you're the guy that did the casting training. And I say, absolutely, vote for me. Um, <laughs> I'm riding his coattails. I'm, I'm joking, sort of. But um, I learned from him to do the hard work. And something I learned, actually not from Congresswoman Underwood, but something her mom told me once. Lauren Underwood's mom? Yeah, okay. who is an amazing woman, Miss, Mrs. Underwood. And she once was watching Lauren on stage, and we were next to each other. And I said, you have to be so proud. And she says, I have always been proud of my daughter. I'm just happy that other people can see how special she is. And I took that and I said, that is the way to do it. And, and not to focus on making anyone proud, but showing people mm-hmm. what I can do and what I can accomplish. Well, Lauren Underwood was successful. Sean Kasson was successful. And uh, maybe, Ken, you could be successful as well, running in the 42nd Legislative District. If folks want to get in touch with you, if they want to find more information, how can they do so? So I am KMB for 42com And on Facebook and Twitter, I am KMB for 42 And uh, if you're looking for hashtags, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Okay, yes, there. we can. All right. Uh, get it. Yes, we can. K-E-N. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, spell your name for people if they want to find you. Just Google your name. Do we have enough time for that? Yes, no, you okay. have enough time. <laughs> Look, I got a name that's even longer than yours. No, it's Ken. K-E-N. Mejia. M-E-J-I-A hyphen B-E-A-L as in Larry. All right. Very good, Ken. Thanks so much for coming in. As Thank I said, you for having me. Uh, he is running in the 42nd Legislative District, folks. And Democrats pull that one off. It'll be quite a victory for the Democratic Party in DuPage County. I want to thank Ken for coming in. also want to thank Dave Roeder for coming in. Amaya was here as well. Dave, very busy day on the Ben Jarofsky Show. And, of course, the young man from Alton, Illinois, the pride and joy of the 618. Uh, they Back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Yes, they do. Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. Once again, everybody, to show your support for Ken Mejia, Bill, K-M, as in Mary, B as in boy, 4, F-O-R, and the number's 4-2, K-M-B-4-2. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, chicago.suntimes.com forward slash pages forward slash Jarofsky, chicagoreader.com, and wherever else you download your favorite podcasts. Hey, downloaders, we live stream this program. It's true. Tuesdays through Fridays, 1 until 3 p.m. Central Time. Once again, at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites, the Chicago Sun-Times YouTube channel, and we're now live streaming on Facebook. And speaking of Facebook, head over to the page at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, because we are going to announce our top three captions for our caption contest. Will it be your caption? I don't know. Send us the caption. We'll read it and we'll find out. At Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y.